go up to the uh, North Central Prison Unit there once a, m a week and minister to the guys and then participated in that outreach. So I want to thank each of you for your faithfulness, both in giving here and the, and the offering, but just in your love for people. Christmas can be a difficult time for some. And you have offset a little bit of the pressure that comes uh, with, with Christmas at times um, by your faithfulness and giving. And just thank you. Thank you from all of our hearts for your faithfulness to the Lord. I want to just say a very special God bless you to every person. Joe mentioned visitors. If you haven't filled out a visitor card, there's a, vi there's a visitor card in the seat in front of you. Um, the most that that'll cost you is you might get a letter in the mail and you might get a phone call, those two things. Um, that's primarily it. We're probably not going to be knocking on your door. However, we might if you ask us to. But we just want to say God bless you for being here. If I'm not knocking on your door, Alyssa might be, but it might not be. It might be a different card that you get that day. <laughs> Our own Dr. Phil and Sister Kathy Brassfield are in service with us today, and we want to honor them. God bless you, Dr. Brassfield, for being in service. It's good to have Sister Tina Comer back in service with us. It's her mom has been going through some very, very serious health issues, and uh, we've been praying for her. Our own Alyssa Rose, one of her mentors, probably her main mentor, is her own Hetty Lou Brooks, correct? You got the last names? So I just know a sister, Hetty Lou, uh, is here in service with us today, and uh, she is uh, well-known in the Hot Springs area, charismatic, spirit-filled, in church, started a church in 1972 that's still in existence today, very, very active, been a mentor to Alyssa, and we greatly appreciate, Sister Hetty, you being in service with us, number one, and your fellowship uh, with Alyssa. Amen? Amen. Amen. So... I'm going to stop all that because I could just keep going, and I have a word to bring to you today. I'm very excited, and so I'm going to let you remain seated for the reading of two verses of Scripture, then we'll stand for the majority of our text, which will only be 10 verses, so it's not going to be a long reading of Scripture. Now, there'll be quite a few other moderate amount of Scriptures that we'll flash on the screen here along the way today. If you're new to our fellowship, I know it's Christmas time, I know churches are in Advent and those things, but I have chosen to stay the course. I'm going to extract a little bit of Christmas emphasis next Sunday, but there's a little hint of it here today. Um, but I've, tried to, I've attempted to stay the course. I've been on a, what I've been calling a series. It was a journey of faith. started out as the word of faith. The scripture says in Romans 10 and 8, the word of faith is near us. You think I whipped to reading it for every week. Y'all would be able to quote it with me right now. The word of faith is near us in our heart and in our mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. Amen? And, but in Romans 15 and 4 is another verse of Scripture where the Apostle Paul, and you've been reading this with me, it says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through what? Through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Hope. So obviously during this season you need hope. Right, But if you don't know the Word, you might not have hope. Right, So you need to know the Word. You need to study the Scriptures. These things were written aforetime. And then it's almost repeated, but it's in a little bit narrow, narrower context. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is again referencing the things that are written, but it's referencing primarily the journey of the children of Israel. And that's where this series on faith has taken us. It's gone from the Word of faith to the journey of faith, and 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 says, Now all these things have happened unto them for examples, 
And they are written for what? For our admonition, which is our warning with learning and exhortation, upon whom the ends of the world or the ends of the age are come. So it's written for our examples. Well, what things today were written for you and I to look back on and to pray that the Spirit of the living God will illuminate the Word to our heart, that it might be a living Word to us today. That's going to be found in Numbers chapter 10. I keep just camping in Numbers. I haven't been able. You know, when the cloud resides over the camp, you stay. And it seemed for me in my study and my pondering and meditation, the Spirit of God has just kept my attention um, on this little part of this journey for the children of Israel. They actually have not even really started the wilderness journey as of yet. And so, certainly not the wilderness journey that came as a result of their unbelief. We're going to see that a little bit later. If you found Numbers 10, if you haven't found it, look in front on the screen. It's on the screen in front of you. Stand, if you would, as we honor the reading of the Word of God today. Verses 1 through, through 10 is what we're going to read. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. Of a whole piece shalt thou make them. So of all of one particular piece of silver. That thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but one trumpet, then the princes, which are heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves unto thee. When you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east part shall go forward. And when you blow an alarm the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall take their journey. They shall blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Catch that, throughout your generations. And if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then you shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Come on, that's a powerful place to say. I could stop right there, but we'll tag this 10th verse. And in the day of your gladness, and in your solemn days, and in the beginning of your months, and you shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings. I'll briefly elaborate on that in a few moments. And over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that you may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. So now real quickly, I'm not the most creative of persons, and certainly if you Google search cool, I will probably not be the first picture that comes up. <laughs> so with this, though, real quickly, in the title of a message, I was pondering about Christmas, and there's the, uh, a, a familiar song, Dean Martin sang, Silver Bells. Silver Bells. You probably hummed it walking through some type of department store because it was on the speaker and you were singing Silver Bells. Well, I don't want to talk about Silver Bells today, but we do want to talk about Silver Trumpets, okay? Silver Bells or Silver Trumpets. I'm telling you, the anointing's on Silver Trumpets, all right? So let's pray and let's ask God to help us here today, amen? Father, I love you and I'm so grateful to be in this house. I, Father, feel the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives moving among us today. God, it's been a joy to worship. It's been a privilege to stand in this room and to know 
that you, the sovereign God, has accepted our praise because we brought it through the Father. We brought, we came through the veil, the veil of His flesh, and we brought our sacrifice of praise today, God. Now, Father, but Lord, I do pray that the same work of the Spirit of God would begin to prepare the hearts of the people to receive the engrafted word. I know where my heart is with this word. I know the stirring that I have felt, God, that, that as I have meditated and pondered and I have worked this out in my own salvation, Father, and know, and know that the things that I preach of today are true and can be life-altering if we will apply them, Father. So I ask today, God, that the Spirit of the living God prepare the heart of every person that nobody's mind will be on silver bells, Father God, and tinsel or even the sparkly stuff that JoJo spoke about. That our attention would be upon the word today, God. And that there would be a work of grace so real that God will be like Jacob today. We'll walk away with the limp because we'll have been touched by the power of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children said, Amen and Amen. So I want to take just a little while before I elaborate. I'm going to lay a foundation if you'll stay with me today for a little bit. It's very, very important for us to understand what we're going to be elaborating on in its context and then also believing the Spirit of God to make it relevant to you and I. I want to first, for just a moment, talk to you about Judaism. Judaism is what you see quite often in the media today because of, especially with the war in Israel right now and we see modern Judaism on our television screens but we see ancient Judaism in the time of the Gospels but there's something that I want to just draw your attention to just really quickly and that is the Judaism that we see emerging at the time of Jesus in the Gospels that Pharisaical Judaism is not I just want to be careful in saying this it is not the faith that the fathers possessed, that we read about in the Genesis and in the Exodus, and that we also see in the Chronicles of the Kings and in the Prophets and in the Psalms. It had become stagnant in religion. But if you will look at the original faith, I'm telling you, that group of men and women that we see at that time were a group of people who were radical before God. By faith, they moved. They heard God. God appeared to them. God spoke to them. His word was quickened in their life. They didn't just play games. They didn't just have a religious experience. They had communion and fellowship with God, and there was target in their life. And the target was the will of God. They pursued after the will of God. And I just, in my heart, I've been contemplating this for just a moment. And, and I just, I, I want to make a couple of quick statements before I begin to elaborate on the context of what I want to speak to you about today. And that is that we in the spirit-filled church, the spirit-filled church, I don't care what denomination, whether you're charismatic or Pentecostal or you're a mainline traditionalist or whether you are some type of third wave in the generation in which we live today, no matter what, we have always been associated with radicalism. And you're going to have to make up your mind if you are comfortable with that label. Because if you're a man or a woman of faith, let me tell you, you are a radical. You are sold out after God. You are trusting in an invisible God. And you are believing that the things that God has promised in his word, they will come to pass. It's a radical faith. It produces a radical life. 
And you have to be comfortable with whatever type of criticism that you might get for that. And the majority of criticism typically falls from other Christians who have grown so comfortable in their experience and their relationship and they're, uh, they're made uncomfortable by your radical faith. And so today, I'm gonna, as I elaborate here in just a moment about the trumpets, I want to go one step farther. I think this is important for me as well. You know that there's something I like to preach about. I like to preach about types and shadows. And what do I mean by that? Types and shadows. There's one or, those are a couple of words to describe a principle in Scripture where that which is written first in the natural carries a spiritual revelation to it. Let me give you an example of that. So go in your mind, go with me to the book of Revelation. John is on the Isle of Patmos, and the glorious resurrected Savior, the living God Christ, has appeared to him, and he hears a voice behind him. I'll touch on that in just a moment. He turns around, and he sees Jesus. But he, he, he also is descriptive of that he sees a candlestick. And he had seven-branch candlestick, and then he said there was one standing in the midst of the candlestick that had seven stars in his hand. Now, if you try to make that and picture that in the natural, that's very difficult. It was a pictorial image of something that was greater. Jesus brought revelation to it. And he said, John, the candlesticks that you saw are the churches. So they were representative of something. And then he said, he said, the stars that you saw are the angels or the messengers some even go as far to say the pastors of the seven churches so it was representative it was a type if you will it was a parable it was a similitude it was something in the natural but it had a deeper spiritual revelation are you out there and so put that in your heart because I believe that's very, very important for us here in just a moment of time as we begin to develop this thought. And the last thing foundationally before we begin to unfold the passage of Numbers chapter number 10 is this right here. A part of the radical faith that you and I possess, I believe with all of my heart, one of the greatest revelations of all the New Testament that is not talked about in the church the way that it should is the inclusion of the Gentiles into the covenant family of God. I believe I preach about it. I share about it. One day I ought to shout about it. And it's, it's just deep inside of me. I hear so often so many people say things like that. Oh, don't mess with Israel. That's the children of God. That's the people of God. And they have no depth of understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus that took those who were afar off. Who was that, Paul said? That's the Gentiles. And he brought us near. And he took of two and he made of one new man. He said this, you used to to be a stranger and a foreigner to the covenant promises of Israel. You are without God and you are hopeless in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you are brought near and you are a child of the Most High God. Come on, somebody. And the covenant promises of God are yours. And when that gets deep inside of you, one of my most fav uh, favorite, I hate to have favorites, Verses of Scripture is once again found in the book of Romans chapter number 11, verse number 17, which says that we 
are grafted into the olive tree as Gentiles. He said, you are grafted into this olive tree, and what do you do? Here's what he said. You partake of the root and the fatness of the tree. So every bit of fruit that is on this tree that comes off of this branch is because of the life of the root, and the life of the root being Christ and the power of the Spirit of God. Then the fruit is in our lives, and we partake of it. And every time that we follow the course of those men and women of faith we are simply partaking of the root and the fatness of the tree and every time that you and I look back Paul is saying look back look back those things that were written were written for our learning that we might have hope in this darkened world in which we live right that we can trust the Lord so what is it about this text of scripture in Romans or excuse me in Numbers chapter 10 that caught your attention caught my attention He spoke about trumpets. He spoke about trumpets. So let me do my very best to elaborate on this for just a moment. The particular trumpet that was mentioned here is actually differing from the the trumpet that is more familiar to us, what's called the shofar. So I want to put two. We have two silver trumpets that were mentioned that were exclusive to the children of Israel at this particular moment. Would later be in the tabernacle, later be in the temple. They tell us that Solomon expanded from two trumpets to 120 trumpets. But these were two silver trumpets that were used in the calling of the camp. We read that in the passage of Scripture. But in the actual original language and Scripture, you'll find there are two distinct words in the Hebrew that are distinguishing between the shofar and the silver trumpets. It's very important to be able to distinguish the two. I'm going to put, did, we, did you get those pictures, Lori? Let's put them on the screen just so people have a picture image in their mind. First of the two silver trumpets. So you can see this. Many of you might be familiar with it when the trumpets blow. Those are the silver trumpets. That's what's being elaborated upon here in this text of Scripture. Now, the shofar is very, very important to the children of Israel as well. Most are probably more familiar with the shofar because we see images like the one that's going to come next on the screen when you can see the brother in his tallit and he's praying the curved ram's horn that the flesh has been dug out and that makes a very distinct sound. So again, in the original language, the original language distinguishes the two. However, most English translations do not. So you will simply read the word trumpet and it might be speaking about a metallic trumpet like the cornet or the trumpet, but it, and I'm not talking about Tim. Never mind, let me move on right there. That's funny. I don't care where you're from. And, 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 but, but at the same time, but for our purpose here today, let me establish this. Our purpose here today in reference to the trumpet, because I will be alluding to the trumpet, we will use the term synonymous. Is that fair? It is fair for the purpose that I have and the objective that I have in my heart and mind today. So the two silver trumpets that we read about here in Numbers chapter number 10, these long slender instruments would suffice during the wilderness journey. The shofar would be layered in a little bit later. It would help in communicating with the nation. The writer here gives us Moses' instruction. Moses gives us instruction. He says that both silver trumpets are blown together, as we saw in the picture, to gather the congregation to the door of the tabernacle. The way of gathering the people together. The, the One was blown, it tells us, to gather the princes or the leaders. The trumpets were used to blow or to signal the breaking of the camp. That it was time to move. We've been talking about that, the children of Israel. The word of God says that when the cloud abode on the tabernacle, they were to stay. 
But when the cloud began to move, they were to move, and they would take and sound the trumpet, indicating it was time to break the camp. We read in the 10th verse that it would be blown in conjunction with the feast, the new moons, and the offerings. And so when people presented their offering, oftentimes the trumpet would sound as it is a celebration before God. The trumpet was blown to coronate the king. How I many you know there's going to be a trumpet sounded when he comes? Right? It was blown in praise before the ark. And it was blown, blown, in play, uh, excuse me, blown in praise before the temple that Solomon would later build. And in that ninth verse, to which we're going to allude more, uh, give our attention to a little bit more in a moment, it was blown or sounded as an alarm to prepare for war. The sounding of that particular trumpet. And that's why leading us in when you understand the silver trumpet now maybe you understand a little bit more what Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 14 and 8. When Paul said, if the trumpet, he's writing about the speaking in tongues. And he's using this as an analogy. He said, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? If you didn't understand the sound of the trumpet, if you couldn't distinguish the sound of the trumpet, you might fail to respond correctly. You might gather for a feast, and you brought the picnic basket for the potluck dinner fellowship, and the priest was calling you to war. And you left your sword and your shield at home, but you brought your potluck dinner roast. You might prepare to march. That's good right there. I know it's practical, but it's, it's, you understand. When the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who prepares himself for the battle? You may prepare to march when God is saying it's a time to rest, a time of feast, a time of celebration, or a time of sacrifice. To one degree, let me explain this for a moment. Notice, to, notice first of all, who was to blow the silver trumpets. The eighth verse said that it was the sons of Aaron the priest who would blow the trumpets. And it would be an ordinance forever throughout your generation. So in a practical sense, let's look at it and extract it for, to this church corporately for just a moment. In the latter couple of months at this assembly from this pulpit on Sunday morning or Wednesday night and also in private, in one degree to one degree, I've been sounding a trumpet. Because what I've been doing is I've been gathering leaders as we culminate the year of transition. I've been gathering leaders in our assembly. I've also been bringing the people together to reunify our church, right? Because we're getting ready to march, and we can't march if we're not unified, right? And if you've been listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking through my voice, then we've also been sounding the alarm or sounding the trumpet that we should offer praise, but we should offer it through a sanctified vessel, glory to God. That we need to be sanctified before the Father. Sanctify yourself, Paul said. Cleanse yourself from all the filthiness of this world. So you've been hearing that sounded from this pulpit. And to our church family, here's the reality. We've been camped here for some time. And you have not heard the sound to march. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is moving on my heart that it's time for this church family to move. It's time for us to pursue. It's time for us to go from where we've been to where God is wanting to take us for this next season. So if you've had any listening ear at all, you've heard the sound of the trumpet from this pulpit saying, get ready, we're getting ready to move. Come on, somebody. Amen. So I want to go back for a moment, but one of the primary purposes of the sounding of the silver trumpet 
was to prepare and to call the people for warfare. Numbers 10 and 9. He said, call the priest. And he said, when the enemy comes in the land to oppress you. Sound the alarm. You'll be heard before the Lord. And you'll be remembered before God. And God will come on your behalf. What's beautiful about this, we actually have a record in Scripture where this happens exactly as the writer gives us here. And I want to just put this here, and I'm still layering. I'm going somewhere if you'll stay with me in just a moment. In 2 Chronicles 13, let me put you in the context of that for just a moment. Because I'm going to make this uh, particular to you, to us as a fellowship, to you as an individual in a moment. But it's important that any spiritual principles that I share are extracted directly out of the Word of God. So in 2 Chronicles chapter number 13, let me put you in the context of this. There is civil war about to happen in the nation of Israel and Judah. This is during what's called the divided kingdom, where there's been a severance. Israel is now distinct, the ten northern tribes, from the two southern tribes. And the two southern tribes contains Jerusalem and Judah, and it's there that the temple, and they have a pure form of worship. There is a false form of worship in the northern tribes. Jeroboam has broken away. He's erected two golden calves. He's claimed that those calves were the gods that had brought the children of Israel out of bondage. He's brought an army of 800,000 soldiers from Israel, outnumbering the children of Judah two to one, because 400,000 have gathered on behalf of Judah. And as they gather for battle, the, the king of Judah, Abijah, I don't know if that's how you say his name correctly, but it works for you and I today. The Abijah warns Jeroboam, crying out, lifting his voice up. And he just warns him. I'm going to paraphrase. He said this. He said, brother, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't come against us and fight against us. And he said, why? Here's the reason. He said, because we've got the temple with us. We've got the ark with us. We've got the priest with us. And we've got the two silver trumpets with us. And if you cross that line, brother, those priests are going to sound. And what he didn't know as Abijah is warning Jeroboam, Jeroboam had sent an ambush behind him. And that's where the passage picks up here in the text on the screen in front of you. And so Abijah, who's referenced here as Judah, the entire tribe, or the t- entire two tribes, looks back. And now not only do they have an adversary in front, but they have an adversary behind. There's a total of 800,000. They only have 400,000, so it's two to one. But listen what they did. They cried unto the Lord. And what did the priest do? The priest did exactly what Moses said do. He sounded the trumpet. And look at that 15th verse. And when they sounded the trumpet, the men of Judah gave a shout. And when the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God... Come on now, church family. God smote Jeroboam and all of Israel before Abijah and Judah. That's a powerful word for us there in that text of Scripture to challenge us and to know that you and I, in this context of warfare, that we have an exact uh, an account in Scripture where the men and women obeyed the Word of God to a T, and God fulfilled His Word. Now, pause right there. Go back to my introduction. In my introduction, I told you that sometimes there are things in the natural that represent spiritual principles. 
A candlestick represented a church. A star represented a messenger. A trumpet, if you study the scriptures in detail, you will learn, if you'll look close enough, I believe this with all of my heart, that the trumpet in scripture is synonymous with the shout. Thank you for not shouting me down right there at that moment. Psalm 47, 5, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. In Joshua chapter number 6, at Jericho, after marching around the walled city of Jericho, the first city of conquest for the children of Israel, read the text. The people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout that the wall of Jericho fell down. And the people went up into the city and they took the city. Let's read another. Let's go farther. It's getting in your heart. It's not there. That's why the church is so quiet today. We don't have the revelation. You say, Pastor, I don't have a silver trumpet and I don't have a shofar. Yes, you do. Deep inside of you, right here on the inside of your being, uh, is the ability, like a priest of old, to lift up your voice. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Isaiah 58 and 1, not the whole verse, the beginning of it. He said, cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a... Let me go one further. I didn't give them this one. I want to just, enter, I want to just layer it right here. Did you know when John was in the uh, spirit on the Lord's day, he said, I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet. Does anybody remember that? A loud voice. If you read that in the Greek, the word loud is megas, and the word voice is phone or phone. If you say, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it simply means I heard a loud voice like a megaphone behind me. And what I'm saying is Jesus shouted too. And so in Judges chapter 7, again, now we're in a, another situation with Gideon, a familiar passage where three companies blew the trumpets, they broke the pitchers. They held the lamps in their hands and in their, the trumpets in the right hand and they blew with all and they cried and they cried or they shouted the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Let's go a little bit farther. You haven't just caught it just yet. Second Corinthians, Chronicles 15 and 14. I didn't give them this, but I want to read it to you. They swear unto the Lord with a loud voice. And with shouting and with trumpets. Why am I telling this? I'm telling you, in the spirit, there is a divine revelation that the natural example of the priest sounding a trumpet is a revelation that in the heart and in the spirit of every born-again believer in Christ Jesus is the ability to lift up our voice unto God and to shout unto God. But let me tell you, it's not just any shouting. It's not screaming. Because screaming is panic, but I'm talking about a shout of faith. I'm talking about where you lift up your voice and you cry out unto God. Something is bubbled up on the inside of you and you can no longer be silent. While the text said when the enemy comes in and he oppresses you, that you will not sit there quiet and allow the enemy to beat you and your family up. But you will lift up your voice like a trumpet and you will cry aloud unto the living God. And when you cry aloud to the living God, the Bible says, says you will be heard you will be heard in heaven and God will respond 
So I'm going to go a little bit farther than this. You say, Pastor Brown, you're making this up. That can't be the case. No, this is too good. I know it is. It's too good. Psalm 47 and 1 says to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of Korah. Oh, clap your hands, all your people, and shout unto God with what? Let me say it with the voice of triumph. There's a a complete difference in the tone and the texture of somebody who's screaming in panic and somebody who is calmed and moving by the power of the Spirit. And they say, it's not panic, it's unction. There's an anointing inside of me. I am, come on somebody, I'm being being numbered with the children of Israel. I'm going to lift up my voice. I'm going to shout into God with the voice of triumph. When? Not after the battle has already taken place. Anybody will shout then. I'm telling you, when the enemy's coming against you and everything's breaking out around you, that's when you lift your voice up. That's when it's a shout of faith. We shout unto God with the voice of triumph. If there's one thing that we can say that is a discredit to our modern generation of Pentecostals in the earth today. I don't like to compare because we can't be the people that used to be. We can only be the people who God's called us to be. But I want you to know we are way too quiet in this generation of Pentecostalism. We have not not gained the divine revelation that our voice carries power. It carries unction. That God himself, when he got ready to move, he opened his mouth and he cried and he spoke and you and I have that same power within us we open our mouth and we shout unto God with a voice of triumph Woo! I'm preaching myself happy in here today but let all those Psalm 511 that put their trust in thee is that you now I told you beforehand you got to make up your mind whether you want to be numbered as a radical Because there are a lot of churches where there is no life, there's no shout, and there's no sound. But there's also no movement. There's no deterrent for the enemy. The enemy has his way. But if you determine in your heart that says, God, you can number me with David. You can number me with Jonathan. You can number me with Joshua. You can number me with Miriam. You can number, are you out there today? You can number me with the sons of Korah, God, because I'm going to bring my unction my anointing, and I'm going to shout unto God. Put your trust in the Lord and shout for joy. Psalm 32 and 11 said, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all that are upright in heart. Psalm 132 and 9 says, Let the priests be clothed with righteousness and let the saints shout for joy. Oh, i got to pause right there. It just dropped in my spirit. Catch that word and let the saints shout for joy. The word saints. If you were to go back and read what I was preaching to you earlier in the book of Ephesians chapter number 2, where it talked about the division originally between the Gentile world and now and the Jewish world. But Paul, I say this so often in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. Paul prayed this in the fourth verse. He said, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which before was hidden from every generation, but is now being made known unto us that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs with the saints of the 
Most High God. And when I read that today, I'm not just reading that as saints of old in the Old Covenant. I'm reading it in a first-person application. The priest, you're all a priest unto God. You are a saint of the Most High God. And if you're clothed with His righteousness, uh, then you ought not remain silent. You ought to lift up your voice unto God and shout to God for the joy of His salvation. Sometimes that's just a deterrent from the enemy right there. In our battle against our adversary, the devil, who does he walk, who does he gain? He gains those that he has access, been given place in their life. But those of us that are vigilant, those of us that are sober, those of us that say, excuse me, when the enemy's in front of me uh, and I feel overwhelmed, uh, I'm going to lift up my voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And God said, I've been waiting for somebody to exercise faith. I've been waiting for somebody to believe my word. I've been waiting for somebody to know they've been numbered with the saints of the Most High God. I've just been waiting for somebody that I could reveal myself to and show my power and show my glory in this generation. Hallelujah today. And I love this last verse. A cry out and shout. Oh, I feel Jesus in here today. I told you it was locked up inside of my heart today. For great is the Holy One of Israel where Look what he said, cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. Uh, let me go ahead. I'm going to read my notes because I want you to hear it. I said it already. I'm going to say it again. You've got to decide who you are. You've got to make up your mind. Are you going to be quiet and a quiet, pious Pharisee? Are you a priest unto the Most High God? Are you a warrior of faith? Are you grafted into the olive tree? Right? Or are you an inhabitant of Zion? I don't know about you. I'm an inhabitant of Zion. Right? Wherever the Jesus, or the scripture tells us that God told Abraham, he said, wherever you put the sole of your feet, I'm going to bless. I believe that today. I believe when we're walking in the favor of God, whatever we put our hands to do by faith in God, God said, I'm going to bless I believe that with all of my heart. And I just wanted to stir up something on the inside of your spirit that's been remaining, that's been, been quiet too long. There is a divine unction inside of you. There is an unction in you. It is the spirit of the living God. And you've got to give it voice. We have to let it out. I'll tell you what, if the, if the religious people of our day, they would make us all like blind Bartimaeus. If they had their way. Do you remember what happened to Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus was outside the city gate, oddly enough, of Jericho that had been rebuilt. And Bartimaeus had been a beggar all of his life because he had been born blind all of his life. But he was still a covenant child of God. And he heard about this man called Jesus. And he heard that Jesus was passing through Jericho. He could not see the throngs and the multitude that was following him. He couldn't see the disciples in front, the disciples behind, or on the left hand or the right, or the hundreds or even thousands of people that were pressing in. But there's one thing that Bartimaeus could do. Bartimaeus could begin to lift up his voice, and he began to shout, O son of David, have mercy upon me. And the religious leader said, you got to shut up. 
up, Bartimaeus. You got to be quiet, Bartimaeus. You can't talk like that. You, you, this is a holy moment. You can't be radical. But Bartimaeus, when they told Bartimaeus to shut up, Bartimaeus began to cry even louder and lift his voice up. And he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says Jesus stopped. Amongst all of the crowd of people, he heard one voice, that of Bartimaeus. Because Bartimaeus, out of unction of the Spirit of God, shouted unto God. And he stopped. And he said, bring the brother to me. And you know what he told Bartimaeus? Let it be in your heart today. He said, Bartimaeus, according to your faith... According to your faith, he said, let it be made known and let, it, let you be healed. Paraphrasing. I'm telling you, you can, you can scream and panic or you can shout in faith. And I'll tell you, when you shout in faith, you number yourselves amongst the radical men and women that have gone in front of you. If you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresses you, he said, then you shall blow in an alarm. Did you know if you will study that phrase, blow an alarm? In the Hebrew, it's actually just simply one word. I'll pause and think on this for just a moment. We're going to call this a Selah moment because I'm about to finish here in just a moment of time. Blow an alarm, he said. In the original language of Hebrew, again, it's one word. It's not quite pronounced this way, but it's spelled this way. Ruah. Almost like our Marine Corps, Ura. I wonder if it was extracted from that. I just wonder. I don't know. Ruah, blow an alarm. But that same phrase that's translated blow an alarm is translated about five times. Blow an alarm, that same word. But it's translated shout 23 times in the King James Version of the Bible. So I want you to know today, there is a divine mystery, the same as what John, when he heard behind him a mega voice, a loud voice, like a trumpet, and he saw a candlestick and a star. But God said it's not a candlestick or a star, it's a church and it's a messenger. I want you to know today it was a silver trumpet, but to you it's a shout in your spirit so that when the enemy oppresses you, did you know that word oppresses means to cramp you or to trouble you? That you can shout unto God, sounding the alarm, not panic, but drawing God's eye of attention upon you. And the Bible says you will be remembered before the Lord your God. And listen what he said. He said, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Well, I could end right there. But, you know, I decided that I would add an addendum to this message. Now, listen, if you're new to our church, you say you're a pastor that gives a lot of information. I do because I understand that knowledge is power. Right? And if you don't know, then you won't be, if you don't know the sound of the trumpet, you won't prepare yourself for battle. Rod, you'll be expecting everybody else to fight for you while you don't do anything. Come on, somebody. And so it's my job as your pastor to charge you, to do my very best to educate you, instruct you, at least, at the very least, to inspire you to get this word on the inside of you so that you can change the entire dynamic and tra trajectory of your family. 
I just believe that. You know, I'm a zealous for changing the trajectory of a family. I know you've heard me say a hundred times, I get tired of Christians today talking about the curse, talking about the curse, generational curses. I'd rather talk about the blessing, the favor of Almighty God, that when it's on your life and you know that you're blessed and you know that He called you, sanctified you, filled you with His Spirit, and you are representing Him in the earth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus could not be here in the flesh today, but He sent me as an ambassador for him to declare unto you the good news, the good news of Almighty God, so that you could hear this good word today. Let me remind you, Jesus believed in preaching the word. He preached the word. He would steal the crowd, set the people down. I want to share with them the word because he knew the life-changing power of the word of God. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh will profit you nothing but the spirit of the living God, the word of Almighty God when you get it a part of your life if all you are is copy and paste it won't work for you but if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of almighty God then it'll be in your heart and then when it's in your heart it's out of your mouth and when it's out of your mouth it will scatter the enemy in front of you and you'll march forward to the glory of God almighty hallelujah I got to give you the addendum to close today I know that some churches are having just little Christmas cantatas today, but I, it wasn't about silver bells for me. It's about silver trumpets. <laughs> silver trumpets, I, I want you to be empowered and to know the sound and to, and, and to stir it up. This is my addendum today. It's a little bit, don't take it out of its, it's in context, but it seems that it changes the narrative some, but it doesn't. So I believe that when the trumpet was sounded and God said that they would be remembered, I believe the trumpet would awaken a particular promise to the people of Israel. Now, don't you think about that, Virginia? Let me say it. So, so when the people, he said, when the enemy comes in and oppresses you, just like in the days of Abijah and Judah, and when Jeroboam was in front and Jeroboam was behind and they took the two priests and they sounded with the trumpet and they were heard before God, right? They were heard before the Lord. Then I believe that that was, and as that trumpet and that shouting took place, that there was an agitation of a promise that God had made to the children of Israel. What was that? I'm going to put it on the screen in front of you. Actually, I'm going to put the picture up first. Let's put the picture up first, that last picture. Now listen, you panthers over here, don't y'all freak out about that right there. Because that ain't a yellow jacket. That's not from Clinton. That's the hornet. That's the hornet. Because there was a promise that God had made to the children of Israel. So, oh, I feel Jesus on this. We've got to put it all together. The picture's got to come together. Let's put the verse up here. In Exodus 23 and 28. God told the children of Israel, he said, I will send the hornet before you. And it will drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, and might even drive away the cellulite. But we'll just move on from there. Come on, somebody. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 20. Let's read this. He said, moreover, the Lord thy God will send the hornet among you. Until them that are left and they hide themselves from you, they're going to be destroyed. 
So now let's see if we can put it all together. God said when the enemy comes in against you, when the enemy's oppressing you, when you're fighting against the enemy and you've gained some victory but there's still some leftover residue, if you'll shout unto God with the voice of triumph, God said I'll send the hornet and the hornet will go where you cannot go and the hornet will begin to dislodge the enemy out of his hiding places. I wonder if the, chill, if the, if the, if the Israel dis- defense forces know about this verse of scripture. They might see Hamas come running out of every tunnel because the hornet would be driving them out. And so, listen, I want you to know, in that land of Israel, the hornet was up to an inch and a half long. He had a very venomous sting. And the enemy would be crouched. He would be ready to attack. He would already be oppressing you. But when you shout before God and the voice of triumph is in your voice, God will remember his covenant. And the hornet will arise out of his nest. He will attack the enemy, confuse the enemy, until the enemy turns on himself... And that's why later, oh, it's all one big picture if we'll look at it. In Deuteronomy, the writer said the enemy will come in one way. And the reason he'll flee seven ways uh, is because the hornet will be chasing him out and off of the battlefield. And I believe in my heart of hearts when oppression, depression, contention and confusion, accusation made by people, people and principalities if you remain silent then you're going to be oppressed but if you lift up your voice as a shout of faith unto God as the worship team joins me on the platform today and you'll become who God's called I believe you to be and that is you'll be a radical set apart called out of darkness spirit-filled child of the most high God You'll be an inhabitant of Zion. You'll be a priest of the Lord. You'll be an armed warrior before God. And you'll have a divine unction in your spirit. And you will not remain silent. But you will shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You'll declare the goodness of God. You'll speak against your enemy. And God will move on your behalf. And I believe in my heart of hearts God will send his ministering spirits. The angels or the hornet on your behalf. Come on, somebody. I believe that. You say, Pastor, Pastor Brown, you're too radical for me. I'm sorry. You need to come where I'm at. Because I can tell you right now, I ain't going where you're at. I've been there. I've had enough of it. I want to re- activate the zeal in my heart and the passion that I have for God and the promises of the Word of God because God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, he'll bring it to pass. Won't you stand up with us today? I want to call you forward today. All among us is a prayer moment. It's a worship moment. We'll pray with anybody. But I'm telling you, we put too much stock on people praying for us rather than us lifting up our silver trumpet. I know you can sound the dingling of the silver bell if you want to. I didn't come to play the dingling of the, of the silver bell. I came to lift my voice in the house of God with a shout unto God and trust that the Lord that I... Come on now, church family. Y'all begin to sing. I want to invite whoever wants to. Let's just praise the Lord. Y'all drop the light on me one more time. Uh, if you would, Dwayne, drop the light. Let's put it right back to a worship moment. To a worship moment, to a worship moment, 
to a worship moment. Come on, somebody. Let's go back in the name of Jesus. Don't you sit there silent. It ain't time to be quiet. It's time to sing unto God, to shout unto God with a voice of triumph, to lift up our voices, to lift up our praise, to sing unto God, to shout unto God. Come on, somebody, to shout unto the Lord, to make a joyful noise, to be numbered, to be radical, to be full of faith, to be full of faith. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. God, if they call us radical, we'll say thank you. Father, in the name, if they call us holy rollers, we'll say we're rolling holy. Praise the Lord. If they number us amongst the saints, then God will say thank God. We've been grafted into an olive tree. We're just drawn from the root and the fatness of the tree. God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word said first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. A natural trumpet. Father, folded and beaten out by Father God, the the metal worker's hands, God, put into the hand of a priest, sounded with the unction that was on the inside of him, sounded with the breath that was in his lungs, God, became a memorial before heaven. And you said, when you sound that trumpet, he said, God, you said, I will hear. Listen to that, church family. And you will be remembered before the Lord. You'll be remembered before God. God's got you, church family. He's got you. He knows where you're at. He's heard your voice. You were like Bartimaeus. You were walking along. Jesus was walking by, and you said, i got to stop him right where he's at. i got to get his attention. i got to call to him. You said, son of David. It wasn't ironic that that happened at Jericho, the same place that the priests long ago shouted, and the wall fell. Bartimaeus shouted and his blindness fell. Come on, somebody. I don't know what came down in your life today, but I can tell you something came down. I can tell you that something, the enemy was scattered. The enemy's plot, his schemes. You know, as your pastor, I don't like to deify the devil. Like a lot. I hate to say that many do, but I don't want to in any way imply that there are not schemes. The, the Bible speaks about the tactics or the tools uh, of, of the schemes of the enemy. But did you know his schemes can be, locked, it can be knocked into confusion when you shout into God? See, it sends confusion into his camp. Did y'all hear that? Sends confusion into the camp. Let me give you an addendum real quickly to that in the, in the spirit. Later in the book of Joshua, the Lord was talking about that hornet again. He said, remember when you fought against Amalek? He said, you didn't even have to draw a sword. So that was in the 24th chapter of Joshua. It actually happened in the 10th chapter. All it says in the King James is this, and the Lord discomfited them. So that's all it said. What does that mean? It means God sent confusion in the camp. Confusion against the plots, the tactics, the schemes, the devices of the devil. Have you ever seen those passages in scriptures where the army in Israel 
the, uh, the enemy that oppressed Israel ran in front of them and they were scattering their armor. Now you know why. Because you might have that helmet on and that clothes on, but you let about seven hornets get inside that. And you'll be shedding that. You'd rather run naked than have that on. That, and now you know because God fulfilled his word. He said, if you'll call on me and shout unto me, I'll send the angel. I'll send the hornet. So for you and your family and your situation, if you scream and panic, that's not what I've been preaching about today. I'm talking about when something bubbles up. It just stirs up on the inside of you. And you just got to let it happen, church family. If, if we're going to be who God's called us to be, we got to let it happen. We just got to say, you know what? I, I can't be all what this other pious pharisaical type, no, 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 no. I've been numbered with this radical group of people that shouted unto God and they saw God come to their aid. Won't you link up together with a couple of people just in a small group. We're going to pray and just in closing prayer for one another here today. I thank God for the spirit of God. Come on, it doesn't end right here, does it? If your shout is confined to the beginning of a worship service or the end of a worship service, then you may have missed the entire mark. Come on, you shout into God. It becomes a part of who you are. You run to the battle sometimes with a shout of God. Father, we just, we've yoked together, arm to arm, hand to hand, friend to friend, loved one to loved one, God to just hold one another up in their battle, in their journey. God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, the two, two trumpeters sounded. Now, Groups of two and three and four and five are sounding. They're just, they're praying, they're believing God. Father, this journey of faith, this radical faith. Father God, the, the exercise of faith, covenant faith. God, today we just pray for one another. We just lift up one another, God, in the name of Jesus today, God. We hold up each other, God. We believe today that sickness, Father God, was driven out of this house today, God, in Jesus' name. God, we just believe for it. We believe for limbs that didn't work properly to work properly. We believe for capillaries and blood vessels, God, where blood's been, been kind of slowed and not flowing uh, healthy and whole, God. We believe for it in the name of Jesus. God, we just believe, Father, today for sight and hearing, for strength, for courage. We just believe today. God, we believe that you give us grace to forgive. Come on, somebody. If you shout with unforgiveness, then you're not going to move the hand of God. So, God, if we shout, we shout from a heart that's been made clean. Come on, made clean. We, we don't hold on to anything, God, that the enemy can get a, a stronghold in our life. So we let it all go right now, God. I feel the Spirit of God right there. Just let it go in Jesus' name. We just let it go for unforgiveness, things people have done to us, things people have said. God, we just let it go. God, you fight our battle. God said he'll fight your battle. Sometimes you don't have to lift the sword or the shield. God said, I'll just go in front of you and I'll move that situation. He might send a hornet. Somebody might get stung this week, but that's all right. It might turn them to repentance. I don't know. So God, today in the name of Jesus, in this room today, Father, we've stood on the word of God. We've walked, Father God, on, Father God, on um, ancient paths, God. We've followed the pattern of people that you called out and set apart. 
And we believe that we're numbered with them, God. Today, God, we've, we've tasted and seen the Lord is good. Come on, somebody. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. We've been reminded that we were grafted into an olive tree, and we drew from the root and the fatness of it today. And it's been rich. It's been rich. And God, and we, we're not going to let the enemy's accusations rob us of being who we've been called to be. They can label us any label they want to. God, they can sit there with their pious religious expression and call us radical fanatics. And we'll just say we're faithful believers, inhabitants of Zion, inhabitants of Zion, priests of the Lord, prophets and prophetesses, God, who have an unction in our spirit. The Word of God says you have an unction from the Holy One. Come on, somebody. It's an unction from the Holy One. In the name of Jesus. Did you, I, I gotta, I gotta, that's got to be my last one because I, I feel like I, could, I don't want to say prophesy, but it feels like prophesying. But we have an unction from the Holy One. Let me tell you, that's the difference between a scream and a shout. The scream comes from fear and panic. But the shout comes from the unction. Oh, the unction. <laughs> the unction. Did you hear me? The unction. You have an unction from the Holy One. Out of your own belly shall flow a river of living water. The spirit of the living God bubbling up a shout out of your own mouth. You, you, you give it voice. You be who God's called you to be. God, we're so grateful for the presence of the living God. Father, I don't believe a person left today, God, because they, they, they knew the Lord was in his house. The Lord was encamped amongst his people. His presence was here and we're so grateful. So thankful, God. Go with us, God. Go with the people. Whatever they do this week, wherever they go, God, let go in front of them and come behind them, God. Be a shield and a buckler. Send the hornet when you need to, God. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, tonight, keep the children, the youth, those that are working with them, safe as they bless some shut-ins with some Christmas songs. We pray in advance for next Friday night, the next time we'll be together as a fellowship on a candlelight service in a darkened world. We're going to remind the people that the light has come, that there's light. So we're so grateful for it today, Father. I bless, if there's any blessing at all, in my heart, as their pastor today, God, I bless every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. May the grace of God be upon them. May you make your face to shine upon them. And may you give them peace. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's children said amen and amen and amen and amen.